It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Yesterday, we heard a clear articulation of how the new administration sees America. Today, we're discussing President Trump's inauguration and your feedback on our mental health episode. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to The Briefcase and our last episode of Season 2. We will kick off Season 3 next week, and we're really excited, aren't we, Beth? We are excited. I can't believe that we're already here. I know, but we thought that uh, the start of the Trump administration was a good um, natural spot to end Season 2 and begin Season 3, and so we, until then, you can continue to leave us reviews on iTunes. We're growing up the rankings, which is really exciting, and uh, we still have t-shirts New, a new shipment of t-shirts at the website where you can also donate and support the show, PantsuPoliticsShow.com. Your iTunes reviews are really important to us because we should not be competitive with the shows that have like full staffs of people helping them and media mm-hmm. outlets behind them. And because of you guys, we are. So we really value that and would love to have a strong start to our new season because we think that this kind of conversation is only increasing in importance as the new administration comes into office. So thank you so much for your support. So before we get started on the inauguration, we thought we would share some of the mental health feedback. We really got amazing feedback, particularly from those of you who work in the mental health area. Um, I thought that uh, one reader wrote in and I thought was really great, which she said that um, 
it's really important to broaden the conversation to include individuals who struggle with all levels of depression and or anxiety. And that's sort of easy to talk about crisis moments or really acute conditions, but um, to always keep in mind that there are people that struggle with sort of anxiety and low level depression and um, just the entire spectrum of mental health issues. I think that was thematic in the feedback that is just spectrum of issues that people struggle with in terms of mental health. And I felt like we hit sort of both extremes of it kind of what do you do for people who used to need um, inpatient care? The other extreme of, hey, let's all check in regularly with a therapist. I think that we sent a lot of people into therapy after our last episode, which is amazing. Our listeners who point out that there is a whole lot in between are absolutely right. This to me gets back to the discussion that we started to have about the Affordable Care Act and the way that I truly believe in my heart that insurance paying more for regular mental health care would seriously decrease the cost of our spend in total on physical health care. And we heard that from um, one of our listeners who's a psychologist as well, that she agrees with that. And, And she also emphasized that it's really difficult to keep the lights on in mental health clinics because of the reimbursement rates that are paid right now by HMOs and Medicaid, and that everyone needs to take a look at the structure of our programs right now and rethink those reimbursement rates. Well, and I'm really excited. Hopefully this same listener is going to come on the show. She was particularly um, wanted to emphasize that some mental health issues aren't necessarily genetic, but that you can trace so many back to um, acute childhood traumas. And hopefully she's going to come on the show and we're going to talk about, there's such interesting research um, right now about how many of our societal issues can be traced back to acute childhood traumas. And so hopefully she's going to come on the show at a later date and share with us about that. That would be terrific. So thank you to everyone who gave us feedback on that episode. I felt like it was a really um, engaging conversation after the podcast ended, which is what we're always hoping for. I think we'll return to this topic often. Ben asked on our Facebook page about sort of the recurring theme between the two of us on how society values perfection in a way that's really unhealthy and was looking for some resources on that topic. If anyone knows of great scholarship on that um, or other books or articles that they would recommend, definitely jump onto the Goodreads Pantsuit Politics book club that Megan started and also send us a message and we'll try to share those as well. So we did one before we moved on to inauguration thoughts, send our thoughts or inauguration thoughts to send our thoughts to the people of Mississippi during the storms there that have been really, really terrible. Yeah, tornadoes can change things in an instant, and I know that there are some search and rescue efforts going on in Hattiesburg this morning, and so we're we're definitely hopeful for safe and uh, peaceful times there in Mississippi. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, 
Regency-era historical fiction and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy so day two is this day one or day two of trump's america i guess it's day two okay well he was signing stuff so yeah day two yeah i think it is day two and i guess we should cover first what what did you hear if anything yesterday that you felt like okay i can get on board with that (laughs) um I like to start uh, with a challenging question. I can tell. Um, so I think that I did, you know, the message of Washington, D.C. and other and the people at the top have gotten rich while other people have stagnated is not lost on me. And I do think it's true. It's just statistically true, particularly about what the Washington, D.C. proper area. I mean, it's it's become increasingly a wealthy area, metropolitan area and other places across the nation, and particularly the middle class and rural areas, their wages have stagnated. So I do agree with that. And I do think that is a problem and a message that many Americans agree with and needed to hear. 
I thought it was also in a way courageous to deliver that message with that crowd sitting right behind you. Um, so I, I also picked up on that theme in the speech and I would have approached the tone much differently, but I am happy to continue to hear the president talking about infrastructure investment in our country, because I do think that's important. And I think it's something that can be done on a bipartisan basis. So those were really, for me, the two themes that I thought, okay, one, I really get the appeal of this. And two, I I do agree. And I think that these are topics that need to be addressed. And particularly with respect to the idea of Washington enriching itself at the expense of the rest of the country, that's something that not a lot of people have had the you know, the bravery and fortitude to talk about so publicly. So I thought that that was good. I think you're being very freewheeling with the terms bravery and courageous. But overall, um, I agree. Like he stood on a podium with, you know, people that are at the top of that heap and, you know, shouted it down of, you know, I guess I agree with infrastructure. Well, look, I mean, I liked Melania's blue outfit. Anything else? To the point about bravery and courageous. I mean, one of the things that that I wrote about when we first started this show was that when you say something like brave, you don't, you don't mean it in comparison to all other brave things. Right. And, but there's gotta be a baseline, (laughs) but listen, not a lot of people have spoken that kind of truth, especially sitting among the Washington crowd. Yeah. But my favorite thing was that somebody said, yeah, but then he went back to the luncheon and was like, buddy, buddy and super insider and super praising to everyone in the room. So it's right. just and interesting. His cabinet appointments don't, don't speak, speak to, that. to that for mm-hmm. sure. So so it's not like this is not an unqualified moment of praise that I'm giving him. But I am trying to find something positive to say, because overall, I was really troubled by the mm-hmm. entire day yesterday. Yep. Well, I mean, I think that he so I was on the struggle bus yesterday. I basically just wandered around in my bathrobe and sort of cried as I folded laundry because I just thought, like, I shouldn't be folding laundry. I should be standing with my sons and holding their hands and watching the first female president being sworn in. And I don't think it had really hit me until that moment. And it was just her showing up was very painful for me. So it was hard. It was really hard. I had to, when I have not listened to his swearing in, it's not something I particularly ever want to hear. When it came on, I went outside. When it's been on the radio, I've turned it off. But, you know, I did read his speech and it is not an America I live in. I don't live in a place full of carnage and crime and weakness and crumbling economies. I live in a place that is strong and changing definitely and you know facing challenges but that the the america that he described is not the america i live in and i live in rural america thank you very much if i tried to come up with a worse phrase than american carnage and set for days with a dictionary and thesaurus i don't think i could i was so angry about that well in any context but especially that one what a terrible message to send to the world What a terrible and myopic message to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like if you think that America is crumbling, you haven't been anywhere else. No. I guess here's my overall message. Let us not confuse populism with authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. I understand the populist anger that Donald Trump has spoken to and continues to channel. However... Most of his speech, which I had an incredibly busy day yesterday at work, so I did not follow things 
throughout the day. I came home and watched videos of everything and read some news about it and continued to do that this morning. So I took it in differently than if I had taken it in in real time. As I watched his speech last night, he has this persistent tone of like, since you elected me, it's all going to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I've got this. I hate and it he so didn't, much. He didn't use the word I as much as I thought he would. And I thought that was at least a, a smart move by whomever helped him with this speech. But it's still the message is I'm going to save you. Yep. And true populism does not look for a savior. Right. If you really believe in a conservative vision of America, it is not about any one person. And it's certainly not about the executive of the country. Yep. Well, he did a lot of we, but what that we meant was me. I'm going to fix it. The part where I was like, I could not roll my eyes hard enough, was that I will never, ever let you down. I don't say that to my three children on a daily basis because daily I let them down. How could you possibly live in a world in which you think you will never let 300 million people down and then walk right back there and sign a thing that's going to increase the insurance, home insurance premiums for low income and first time buyers. Well, you've already let people down. You've already failed. Like, why? I don't understand that tone. He's that, you know, it frustrated me when we heard it at the convention. I am the answer. I am the sole solution to everything. It's just so frustrating. The most interesting analysis I heard of that executive order on homeownership was from someone who said, this is this is a good testament to how chaotic the transition has been. Mm-hmm. And it demonstrates that the handful of people who are on the inside here can get a whole lot done. And there are going to be lots of people and lots of issues that can't break through because there is not an orderly structure yet. One of the most troubling things that I read yesterday was that 50 Obama administration officials were asked the night before the inauguration to stay on because all the positions haven't been filled and vetted yet. The number is shocking. It was like out of two, because somebody was like, for a manager, he sure isn't being very managerial. Like for this, like, I'm a corporate businessman. I know what I'm doing. It was like 260 positions and they'd filled like 50 of them. These are national security positions, too. So where are the priorities? You know, if you weren't going to fill something, you know, let it be let let the first actions not be about housing. Right. That could wait. Let's get the national security positions filled. And this whole there should be no fear. We are protected and we will always be protected. What? Maybe turn around and ask George W. Bush about making promises about us early in your presidency about always being protected. I'm sure he could speak with sincerity and authenticity to how it feels when the America, America is attacked during your presidency. Like, it's not like that history is so far removed. Like, I don't, I'm not that he has any sense of history as he's standing up there promising America first, which probably bothered me more than anything else. I want to know when did President Trump get religious? <laughs> And, and I'm asking that in a, a sincere way. Most of what we heard yesterday, as one of our listeners pointed out, was was stump speech stuff. But I did not hear the level of religion in his campaign that surfaced at the inauguration yesterday. And I was really perplexed by that. Yeah, it was. It was very interesting. It very it. It went real. We will be protected by God. The Bible tells us how good and pleasant. I have the speech in front of me. It is when God's people live together in unity. 
Mr. What did he call it? Two Corinthians? Yeah, please. Well, he said it also in a very uh, righteous way. I had a lot of cognitive dissonance about that. It was very strange. Also, I thought the part about we all bleed the same blood of patriots. We will. We, we are neither, whether we are black or brown or white, we all bleed the same red blood of patriotism. There's no room for prejudice if you're patriotic. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, again, history. Actually, some of the most racist <laughs> movements in history have been fueled by patriotism and nationalism. So, I, again, pure disconnect. Nobody says, well, you're an American. No, they say you're not American. That's the point. Like, that's what happens. Like, it's not that they, oh, you know what? You live here. We're all the same. No more prejudice. Like, what are you even talking about? There is definitely going to have to be a way to talk about the tension between nationalism and peace and problem solving. I think all of his discussion of borders and American first and we're going to buy American and hire American, I understand where that's coming from. But it is so reactionary. And, and, and I think there's a and, and, and there's a place there's a place between what is, in his view, rolling over on trade agreements and finding the right balance of, of global citizenship and nationalism. I take his point that perhaps we've gone too far in one direction. I'm not sure that I agree with that, but I, but I understand that point. That is not an unreasonable point to make. What to me is unreasonable is saying, all right, then, like, let's build a box around the United States and not participate in the rest of the world, except when we go after radical Islamic terrorism with unprecedented military wrath. Well, the isolationist part with regards to the manufacturing is really what bothers me, because I just don't think it's accurate, this idea that we just let them ship all the jobs overseas. Look. Is the decreasing cost of outsourcing labor a part of the problem? Yeah, sure. But I've read over and over again as I look through these speeches that like our our um, manufacturing, our in, like industrial output is at the highest level it's ever been in history. It's not that they all those jobs went to other countries. We are still producing an incredible amount of industrial output. It's that they were automated and robots do it. Are we going to go, why didn't your speech go after robots? You know, like, it's not as simple as they just all went to China. I mean, a huge amount of that is technology, increased efficiency, and automation. And just to to blindly ignore that in this, you know, factories like Tombstone, and we're going to turn it right back, we're just, I'm just going to get up there and turn it back into the 1950s where we had all these factory towns. Like, don't feed people that lie. Well, there are skill set issues too, right? Because what we're producing now are parts for satellites and Mm -hmm. it it takes a different skill set than when we were a nation filled with textile plants so we have to address those issues in a real way I, i agree with you i think that he's selling something that he can't deliver and wouldn't if he could Mm hmm Well, and I think that with regards to like sort of the actions we saw afterwards like you were saying before I think it's so reflective you know I think this was a simple reductive campaign speech I think that his actions afterwards are reflective of that the fact that he does not know what he's doing, that he has no cohesion or strategy, and that that will rapidly become apparent. What makes me feel so much better is that this man, I've said this before, I'll say it again, is historically unpopular. You could see it there in the crowds. I've been to an inauguration. I know when I was at there, I was at the inauguration in 2008. I almost got crushed by the crowd, my six-month pregnant self. Like, that's just... 
So it, you know, and I know it seems I like it can seem petty to be obsessed with the crowds, but to me it makes as a person who is threatened by him and opposed to him, it makes me feel better to see that there aren't there isn't this groundswell of support for this attitude. People don't like what he's saying and the way he's approaching things and that shows in the peop- the fact that there was no crowds there that, and I think it's going to show, you know, Vox did a great thing that like this isn't the big end of his story, this is the beginning. Now it's not about We've just elected somebody with zero political or military experience for the first time in our history who's promising the world. And, you know, as good as he is at deflecting and using the media, those are campaign skills and the campaign is over. And now he has to show hard results. And he as he can ignore he can ignore the um, approval ratings all he wants. But I'm assuming that the members of Congress will not. And when he becomes politically toxic. Um, which I would argue he probably is in a lot of places already, then it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think that the Republican Party um, leadership is making a deal with the devil. And when, you know, they can't deliver on the moon, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I have a different take on what concerns me. I'm afraid that he is going to be obsessed with the approval ratings, That's mm. that he's going to care more about that. I mean, his only tweet so far on day two of the Trump administration is thanking Fox and Friends for great coverage of his speech. I don't know at what point, and this is where I agree with you, at what point does he get out? Like, you won. It's, you're done with that part. Well, and he did tweet that for, he, on his old account, that he like, the, why do we care about the He's already trying to undercut the approval ratings. I think he's spinning the narrative, even for either for others or in his own head, that they're wrong. They're wrong just like the polling numbers. Everybody loves him and everybody supports him. And why would we depend on the same people who did polling for the election when they got it all wrong to poll his approval ratings, despite the fact that it's two totally, completely different things? But he's, I mean, I think he's already trying to spin that narrative in his head. He's definitely going to be obsessed with them, but he's going he's gonna to say that they're not true. I got a survey as I posted on our social media accounts from the Republican National Convention about the Trump administration. And the last question was, do you think the mainstream media with both M's capitalized, which really amused me, will cover President Trump fairly? And there were boxes for like, yes and no. And I did not check one and just wrote in, I do not care about this at all. (laughs) <laughs> and and you shouldn't either. That's not yeah. the point right now. There are so why is that even a survey question? The fact that that was even on the survey drove me crazy. Yeah. Well, so speaking of the reaction to President Trump, we have a number of listeners at the Women's March in Washington, D.C. and at other sister marches across the country today. We have gotten a number of questions and people sending us articles about the fact that a pro-life group was excluded from partnership in the Women's March. I want to be careful about the language because I think the reporting on this has been a little bit sloppy. But I wondered what your thoughts were on that, Sarah. I think that, you know, at a certain part, well, and always what you want a movement to be is democratic, right? And this is not, I think it's a big ask to ask hundreds of thousands of women going there in particular because of the, what's the word I want? Um, immediate threat on their reproductive rights to stand side by side with people who oppose those reproductive rights. I just, I think that that is such a defining issue for the women's movement right now. And it's a defining issue for many of the women going to March. 
and um, this because it's not it's not really an anti-Trump march. They have very specific political demands, and one of them is reproductive freedom and the protection of that freedom. And so I don't think it's uncalled for to say you as a group do not align with our issue platform as a march. I, I don't. I really respect that take on it. Here is another one. I think that part of the reason to demonstrate as a woman today is to call for basic respect of women because we have seen so many behaviors from Donald Trump that fundamentally disrespect women. And that to me is a unifying theme. And I guess here's where I am. And this is more a reflection of things that I feel about the Republican Party than anything else. I am tired of check every box politics. I am tired of if you feel a certain way about a particular issue, then you are against me. And I see that so much in my own party that I have a boiling over level of frustration with it. And I think it's led us here. (laughs) So I wish that this issue had not become such a controversy around the Women's March and that the Women's March could be a moment to say, We may not be aligned on everything, but we are aligned on some things, and let's come together on those things that we agree on. It, I I think this is overshadowing a bigger point about women's respect and role and issues coming into an administration that causes me great concern as a woman, and and I hate that. I I wish that we could... I agree with you that reproductive rights are an enormous part of where many women are in terms of looking down the field at the Trump administration. I also think that there's more to it than that. And I don't know at what point we can stop being defined by our reproduction (laughs) um, in every way, you know? Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. 
that's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, so there I looked at the their principles are account, accountability and justice for police brutality, gender and racial inequalities within the criminal justice system, freedom from sexual violence, ratifying the ERA, affirming all domestic and t- caretaking work, the right to organize and fight for a living minimum wage for all workers, labor protections for undocumented migrant workers and solid, solidarity with sex workers, comprehensive reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights and immigrant refugee rights. So the thing is, like, there are people there that do not agree on how to achieve those things. But that is the umbrella that draws them together. The march isn't come march if you're a woman. The march is if you're a woman and you support these things, then come march with us. So I just think, because I think if you get into this otherwise, if it becomes just an identity march, which I know it's called the Women's March, but I think that um, to say that it's just about respect for women is, it's not what the march organizers have um, sort of articulated. And it's not, I think it's not why many of the, with, I, again, I think that the Donald Trump's disrespect for women was the catalyst. But I think if you talked to many of the women there, you know, I've talked to a lot of my friends about this. It's not just about I'm here because I hate Donald Trump. It's because I feel like these fundamental rights that women deserve are under threat, like in, including that list. And so I just think that, you know, it's like saying, well, Black Lives Matter should include any sort of police rights group because really we're all in this together and we want to achieve the same goal. I mean, I think it's just different when you're talking about a party and you're talking about a bl- broad political discussion and when you're talking about a, a um, clearly articulated activist purpose. And I think, you know, there's room for everybody. And I think that, and what I mean is there's room for politicians and politics and citizens and activists, as we've always talked. And I just don't think that, I think the Women's March has articulated their principles clearly. And if you don't support all of their articulated principles, then it's just like the, you know, Black Lives Matter. They have articulate. I know people don't think they do, but they do. <laughs> they have articulated principles that they stand for. And um, I think that that, I think the reason that's important is sort of, I know 
Obama's um, like deputy press secretary or somebody wrote a really great thing about like we this can't be it right this can't be like we go to the march and we do really we feel like we've done something great and then we all go home like it's really important that it's the beginning of something else and I think for it to be the beginning of something else you have to have articulated principles and ways forward to work for those and so I don't have any disagreement with them articulating those principles and saying if you don't support them then you know it's not like you don't have a right to participate in our democracy but maybe our march is not the best way for you to do that it's a big list besides abortion though you know and I think that's what troubles me about it and listen people who are frequent listeners to our podcast know that I am pro-choice I do not identify with the new wave feminist. I don't like the language on their website. It's not for me. It, 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 this is beyond respect for the pro-life position. Just the way they come at it, I think, is super aggressive and not my cup of tea. You do you, but that's not for me. I just, I guess this kind of goes to my overarching theme for the last few months of maybe we just need to keep getting more specific and and try to find ways to work together even when we don't check every box of a pretty broad platform. I guess it's it's the paradox, right? I mean, I think they're just both things are true. I think that there is nothing wrong with being specific in the rights your your group is articulating. There's nothing wrong with being broad in the conversations you're willing to engage in with other groups. And there's there's a time for both of those things and um I think that a march itself is the time to be more specific under what you, you, um, you know, because I just think about how I would feel if I was a Planned Parenthood employee or activist, which I have been in my life and spent at great cost um, personally, take off work, buy a plane ticket, buy a bus ticket, spend hours of my life getting to Washington, D.C., and then being asked to stand some stand next to somebody who is diametrically opposed to the rights I'm there to protect. It would be really upsetting for me and upsetting for many of the people there. And so I'm sure that's what they were sort of thinking about. Yeah. And I I give your weight more perspective than mine on this topic uh, for a lot of reasons. One, you have more experience in this area than I do. And two, I'm not a marcher, right? Like this isn't my way. Have you ever marched? No, this is not my way. And I I wouldn't, honestly, unless it came to, it would have to come to what I believed was like a serious civil rights issue where someone where there was no other way because it's just not I'm not going to be effective you've been to place like we've been to conferences together like I'm not effective in that environment you know I think we all have to do what well, is I mean I don't think that I think us. that it's the participation in the march itself is um I, I've I have marched. I know you're surprised. I love a good march. I went to my first march in high school, the Million Mile March with regards to um, gun rights. And then I went again to the uh, March for Women's Rights. I don't know if that was the exact right title, but it was a pro-choice march during the George Bush presidency and had a fantastic time because, side story, I was just in charge of collecting famous celebrity signatures that were there. So I got to meet all the famous people, and it was super fun. Um, and Ashley Judd is really pretty in person, and Julianna Moore is super, super sweet. Side note. Um, but I think that, you know, participating in a march is not, for me, it never felt like um, I'm doing this and I am affecting change this moment. It felt like as a citizen, I'm frustrated. I want to feel like I'm not alone in my frustration. I want to feel like my voice is being joined together with others to make a point. And that doesn't mean that we're going to turn the ship around immediately. 
but we are going to assert our voices and be heard and be seen. And it's an incredibly powerful feeling and one that I would um, always recommend. It's just, there's something about, you know, even yesterday when I was feeling so down and I was by myself and then a couple of the liberal women's groups in particular, like we went to one of the owns a restaurant. She was like, come to our bar. We're going to open it early for all y'all. So we came down and then we went and said goodbye to the people getting on the bus. And I felt better immediately. There's just something about being in a group of people but again, this is just you're an introvert or extrovert and you take energy from people, I guess. But um, as a citizen in a democracy, and I think, too, you know, I understand that there are huge swaths of the global citizenship that do not have that ability. They cannot do that. They cannot go in a group without threat to their person and raise their voice and say, I hate what you're doing. I hate it. And I'm opposed to it. And I think you're doing a terrible job. And I just... I don't know. It's just something I feel very, I feel connected to that sort of don't break the chain of activists throughout our country's history who got rowdy and raised their voices and said, this doesn't work for me. (laughs) Okay. And I want you to hear that. And that's really kind of choke it up. It's a really powerful experience. I really admire people who do it. I think it's important. I'm glad that we have people who do it. I, I respect anyone who peacefully demonstrates and lifts their voice in peaceful ways. Just yeah, people catching, catching the limo on fire yesterday, you're not helpful. No. Yes. I'm totally comfortable being alone in my frustration. That's just part of my personality <laughs> and wiring. So anyway, well, we're looking forward to hearing from everyone who was at the march today. Love seeing the photos that are coming across social media. Please keep sharing those. We will be back with you on Tuesday for season three. We're so excited. Um, before we sign off, we want to thank Ashley for supporting Pantsuit Politics. Welcome our new subscriber, Philip. And thank, as always, our all-stars, Melissa Tracy Tracy, Ashley Audrey, Christine, Nicolette, Paige, and Sydney. Until Tuesday, keep it nuanced, y'all.